Welcome to the Mental Training Lab. I'm Pete Kadushin, your host, and my job is to have fun conversations that leave you with actionable tools, little experiments that will help you improve your mindset and mental skills so that you can do the things you love at a higher level. With today's episode, we're going to do a little something different. There's been a lot of great feedback on the solo casts and also some interest in shorter, more accessible content. So we're going to experiment with a quick hit episode and see how it goes. The goal is really to see if I can deliver something of value in right around 10 minutes. And if not, we're just going to go back to letting this take the time that it takes. And today, I want to explore what happens when athletes fall under the spell of doing too much. First, we'll look at some examples of when athletes get hijacked by this urge to do too much. And then we'll spend a little bit of time unpacking why it happens. And of course, we're going to wrap up with a couple of skills and drills you can be working on to fight that urge and to do less. So this urge to do more can look a lot of different ways, and it almost always manifests as being out of rhythm with what's going on in our performance environment. So for a track athlete, it could be getting off the line too fast. In sports like basketball or football or hockey, it could look like a whole lot of movement without a whole lot of purpose. It's the athlete who's buzzing around but isn't actually in the right place at the right time. Now you may get the idea, but I want to make it just a little bit more personal. So I I picked up the game of golf around 13. And I distinctly remember one of my first trips to the driving range. I was trying to make the ball go far, um, and maybe with the secondary concern of making the ball go in the right direction. And I kept teeing him up, and I kept smacking him every direction, except for straight and except for long, until I got interrupted. There's a gentleman next to me, and he paused to watch a couple of my shots, and then he reflected back to me unprompted. You know you're swinging too hard, right? I didn't understand. In my 13-year-old brain, the following equation made sense. The harder you swing, the farther the ball goes, right? But look, anybody who's played a bit of golf can tell you it simply doesn't work that way. And we get caught in this all the time. Something inside tells us, I just need to push a little harder, turn up the effort a little more. I just need to want it a little more than the person next to me. I need to dig a little bit deeper. Sometimes this advice is true. Sometimes we do need to put a little more elbow grease into our practice or our performance. And really what I've found is that particularly as performers move towards being experts in their craft, they actually need to do less instead of more. Look, there's a reason why members of the special ops community say things like slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And yet when we're put in certain situations, mostly situations where the pressure feels really intense or right after we've made a mistake, we tend to lose sight of this. We lose our touch. Really, we lose touch with our environment and what the environment is asking of us, and we end up out of sync and our performance suffers for it. With the performers that I've worked with, this seems like a pretty universal phenomenon. We end up getting pulled away from the present moment, hijacked, and suddenly we end up doing more instead of doing right. So here's the thing. I'm 36 now, and even after all the golf that I've played, I still fall under this spell. Sometimes it's when I'm standing over what feels like a really important shot, and sometimes it's right after I've hit a bad shot and I'm trying to somehow make up for it. All of a sudden, I'm standing over the golf ball prepared to swing as hard as I can. And I have a pretty good idea of what's going on here. Our internal experience, the sum of our body's physical sensations and our mind's ever-flowing stream of thoughts, this internal experience changes leading up to and throughout the course of something challenging. I've had people describe this particular shift as feeling like everything starts to speed up, or like it's difficult to climb into that spot behind our eyes and and really connect with the present moment. 
Or sometimes there's a, a sense of internal pressurization that's hard to pinpoint but impossible to ignore. Now you, yourself, are actually intimately familiar with what this feels like. Even if you don't have the words to put to it, you've felt this shift acutely many times before. When we're in an environment that's challenging and uncertain, and when we care deeply about the outcome, our body's response is to turn up our sympathetic nervous system, our fight-or-flight programming, so that we can tackle the challenge that's in front of us. This shift in physiology comes with a shift in our internal experience. Sometimes it feels like being energized or excited or dialed in, and other times it feels like agitated or nervous and flighty or panicked. Some of this difference has to do with how intensely our sympathetic nervous system gets activated. And some of it has to do with how we're thinking about the situation. Our mind goes through some quick calculus, asking itself, how challenging is the upcoming experience? And do I have the skills and resources to meet the challenge? Whether we're excited or nervous, the change in chemicals inside our bodies and the way our thoughts shift with those changes in chemicals can have the effect of drawing us out of the present moment. As we feel our engine getting cranked up, we can get really uncomfortable with our internal experience. It's alive, it's flowing, it's energized. And you know what? Even when we're excited, it can still be uncomfortable enough to make us want to be anywhere but here and now. This results in a loss of sensitivity to what the moment is asking of us. So instead of hitting the golf ball with 85% power, which is what the shot calls for, I'm ending up in this go or no go mode, standing over the golf ball and ready to either hit it 110% or nothing. Now, if I'm towing the line for a race, this might look like charging out in front regardless of what my race plan was or what the rest of the field is doing, how the race is unfolding. In basketball or football, it can lead to just going too hard to running myself right out of a play rather than having the sensitivity to adjust as the play is unfolding. So we lose this connection between what the environment is asking of us and what our behaviors are in response to that challenge. And what's worse is we lose physical sensitivity too in the form of motor incoordination. There's actually a really good experiment you can do to see what I mean about this type of sensitivity. So go ahead and pick up a pen next time you have access, and I want you to tense your whole writing arm as tight as you can go, and then I want to see how well you can write your name. What you'll find when you do this experiment is that more actually isn't better here. Being more activated, being more intense, tensing everything up, that this is actually working against you being able to execute the task at a high level. And it really provides a clear example that when we're trying to do more, we often overshoot our sweet spot. And with that extra activation comes extra muscle tension. It comes with an increase in heart rate and breathing rate. We become less coordinated and less efficient machines as we literally fight our every move. An interesting paradox since this happens all while we're trying to go after the task harder and more intensely and obviously perform at a higher level. When we put it all together, here's what we get. We start with an uncertain and challenging environment, paired with a performer's deep desire to succeed. Now, because of our fight-or-flight programming, our nervous system spits out a bunch of chemicals that shift our body towards action under these circumstances, which can feel agitating or exciting or nervous. Blend that with the fact that human beings are generally terrible with uncertainty, and we can see how tempting it is to abandon our present moment experience. And if we abandon that state of embodiment and we abandon the present moment, we lose our sensitivity for what that moment is asking of us. 
and we also struggle to maintain the appropriate level of activation, so we end up less coordinated and more fatigued. So there you have it. That is our recipe for how you get captured by this spell of doing too much. All right, all right, all right. So what are we going to do about this? I'm going to start with the most esoteric tool, and then I'm going to get progressively more concrete from there. First, I think we should be encouraged to play around with paradox a little bit more. And a great time to do this is when you're journaling after a performance and reflecting on what you just experienced. And what do I mean by playing around with paradox? Well, look, our direct experience is so complex and multifaceted that trying to put it into a few words is always going to be completely inadequate. By giving yourself permission to stop making sense, you're actually able to explore that direct experience, especially when it's big and intense and uncomfortable, with a little bit more curiosity. Now, some examples of this. You could play around with the idea of relaxed intensity. Or you could explore the notion of being in control by letting go. Or in the words of my first mental performance coach, who also happened to be my high school band instructor, Mike Musi, uh, you could explore the experience of having a heart on fire and a brain on ice. Now, I don't want to throw too many ideas out here since I think it's better for you to just jump in the pond, splash around, and explore for yourself. Remember, when you're sitting down to journal like this, that the goal is to be curious about your experience and to let the tension or the potential opposites exist without giving into that urge to do something about them. Tool number two is more concrete, and it's to build your zone of tolerable discomfort by purposefully exposing yourself to unpleasant stuff so that you can build that sense of familiarity with your direct experience when some unpleasant stuff is happening. A great way to do this would be to use a cold shower or an ice bath with a timer. Why the timer? Well, when you know that the discomfort is time-limited, you're actually able to bear that discomfort a little bit more, and this really gives you the freedom to practice moving towards that unpleasantness with some curiosity. Now, this has the extra effect of continuing to ground us. When we're curious, it pulls us into the present moment, and when we're curious about what's going on in our direct experience in our bodies, it pulls us into our bodies as well. And you'll remember these are both key factors to fighting that urge to let our nervous systems run away with us and to start doing more. Now, a quick note from my lawyer, please don't do anything or dangerous that's hazardous to your health. I am not that kind of doctor. And so please check with your actual medical professional before hopping in an ice bath or a cold shower or anything that could be potentially dangerous. All right, last things last. You're going to want to practice your breathing. When the moment starts to speed up and those chemicals start ripping through your body, one of the only dials that you have access to, and one that actually connects directly to your autonomic nervous system, is your breathing. Now to be more specific, in this case you're going to want to practice how to breathe slower and with a more relaxed rhythm, especially under stress. My favorite way to do this is to hop on the bike or the rower and drag myself through some high-intensity intervals. The goal during my rest period is to see if I can regain control of my breathing by extending both the inhale and the exhale first. Now, as my breathing rate starts to decrease, then I want to start to draw out the exhale so that it's even longer than the inhale, which has the effect of naturally turning on my rest and digest programming, that parasympathetic nervous system, and this is going to help bring my heart rate down even farther. By practicing this quick downshift, by extending the inhale and the exhale probably both through the mouth, 
and then eventually getting the inhale into the nose and then slowly extending the exhale until I can eventually get to a place where I have a nice long inhale through my nose, a nice long exhale through my nose, and that my exhale is longer than my inhale. What that's going to do for me is it's going to help me, especially when I'm under physical stress, to be able to have a more resilient tool in controlling how my nervous system responds. So there's our three tools. First, to play a little bit more with paradox, increasing your zone of tolerable discomfort by exposing yourself to uncomfortable things on purpose, and lastly, practicing that downshift while using your breathing, particularly while you're under stress. Okay, that's a wrap. As always, thank you for offering up your most valuable resources, your time and attention while you listen to this episode. You can find all the episodes of the Mental Training Lab at mtl.academy. That's mtl.academy. And look, I know this is the spot where I'm supposed to tell you to subscribe to the show or leave a review or whatever, but I'll be honest. I've only got one real request. If you found anything in this show helpful and you know someone who could benefit from these ideas or tools, just go ahead and send it their way. All right. That's all for now. I'll see you next episode.